0: Hey everyone, Jody Heiss here with you with another edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. Glad to have you on board with us and I'll be introducing the guests who I have joining me today. Really looking forward to the discussion. As we all know, this has been a pretty eventful week, uh, last couple of weeks really for that matter, as we have seen uh, the Iranian General uh, Soleimani taken out. We've also seen a response as some bases have been attacked U.S. forces from the Iranians. And so there's a lot of questions that have been floating around. What's going on? What's next? Where is this going to lead us? And we are extremely blessed within the Freedom Caucus to have some of the greatest military minds and service members who are part of the Freedom Caucus. And three of them are here with me today. Let me real quickly just introduce... I have I think most of you already know these guys, but first of all I have Warren Davidson here. Uh, Warren enlisted in the Army after high school. He was stationed in Germany during the fall of the Berlin Wall. After serving uh, 12 years, uh, Congressman Davidson earned an appointment at West Point and he uh, is also a graduate of the Army Ranger School. Uh, Also with us Uh, Further uh, beyond uh, Warren is Mark Green. Uh, Mark, of course, from Tennessee. He is a West Point grad. Uh, He served in the military for some 24 years, including two tours in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. Uh, He was a flight surgeon uh, and uh, just has a phenomenal uh, background. I think one of the most memorable missions that he had was the capture of Saddam Hussein. Uh, Here to my left, Congressman Scott Perry, a graduate of uh, the U.S. Army War College. Uh, He served in Iraq commanding the task force Diablo. Uh, He flew 44 combat missions, nearly 40 years in uniform, and we all know him as the general. And I just want to welcome all you guys here. Thank you so much for your service to our country, both in uniform and now. Uh, as members of Congress. So we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, These are tense times. Hopefully we are watching some degree of de-escalation right now. Uh, But Mark, let me start with you. Uh, If you can just kind of run down for us what happened, what's kind of the background behind all this, what actually went down, uh, particularly with Soleimani, uh, but where we are
1: now, as well. Sure, I, I think it's really important for everybody to know that uh, you know the president's strategy from this administration is significantly different than the last. You know, the last was let's give cash for uh, the release of hostages. Let's a uh, you know, very different. They they did everything they could to get that agreement uh, with uh, with the Iran deal. The current president's strategy has been to contain basically maximum pressure and and to contain them. So uh, they dropped out of that deal and then uh, implemented crippling sanctions. What Iran did to respond to those sanctions was to start these small harassment activities, you know, capturing uh, ships in the Strait of Hormuz, tankers, etc., and these sort of small actions to try to compel Europe and other nations to compel the United States back into the agreement with Iran and to stop the sanctions. That was their strategy. And then that slowly escalated over time to the point where they shot down a drone. Uh, They then rocket attacked American forces in Iraq and Syria, in that area. Um, Each time our president did a very measured response. I mean, you look at the drone attack, the generals were advising to do a kinetic strike against the missile launchers. He chose not to do that because it would result in uh, you know, Iranian casualties. Each time, his response has been incredibly proportional up to that point when they crossed his red line. And his red line was, if you kill an American, you know, it's game on, America. right, it's game on. And then, of course, they had 6,000 people assault sovereign territory of the United States, the embassy in Iraq. In Iraq. So uh, an opportunity came up to take out Soleimani, the, the, the terrorist mastermind and leader of the Quds Force, the IRGC Quds, Quds Force. Uh, and inside Iraq, you know, inside an authorization to protect forces in a theater, uh, he acted. They were planning another attack, and Soleimani was obviously killed by a drone strike, a reaper, actually. Um, well, you know, that, that put the ball back into Iran's court. And very interestingly, Iran fired 15 missiles that all missed. Now, when they attacked Saudi Arabian oil fields, they almost all hit. And what happened? Uh, so it's it's my thinking that they realized they were on a course, a self-destructive course, and they pulled back. So I'm I think we're in an interesting window right now. Uh, what is Iran's strategy going to be going forward? And our president's response was, of course, uh, sanctions. He did not respond kinetically because no American was killed, no coalition force was killed. So we're this is a very unique point in this relationship and. Uh, I'm very interested to see how um, you know how, how Iran is going to respond.
0: Well, I am too. And uh, General, as we know you, uh, let's let's jump over here with you. There's a lot of discussion out there. I mean, around this place, the only ones that are upset that Soleimani has been killed are the, the, the Democrats. I mean, they're uh, they're screaming everything from assassination to you know, this whole thing was wrong. The president broke uh, his constitutional uh, authorization to do so which we're going to get to more specifically here in a moment. But was the president right in taking out Solomon?
2: The president was absolutely right, and I would actually like Americans to think of it this way. Instead of wondering why President Trump took out a known terrorist, a designated terrorist, designated by the Obama administration as a terrorist, you should be wondering why administration after administration, Republican and Democrat, allowed this terrorist to wander the planet killing Americans and killing a whole bunch of other people with impunity. We allowed it to happen. What's fascinating to me, among other things, is that Americans have said, "Who was this guy Soleimani? Why why did we never hear of him? Well, I guarantee you people in uniform knew who Soleimani was because he was killing all of our friends for a long period of time, Uh, and if not killing them, maiming them, things like EFPs, explosive form penetrators, when we sent our vehicles over to Iraq and they started using IEDs, uh, w- and we understood the effect of the IEDs, we made the thing called the MRAp, which was a it's a mind resistant uh, 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 vehicle to stop the the destruction that uh, the Humvees were taking and, the, and our, the casualties were taking as a result of the uh, of the uh, IEDs. And so Soleimani improvised this other thing that went through armor and maimed countless American citizens and then the destruction across the globe. This guy has been a terrorist. You can put a general's rank on anybody or anything. This guy is a terrorist. Iran is a terrorist state that uses terrorism as statecraft. Um, He's been doing this since the Beirut bombing in Lebanon, uh, and, and his forces have been doing this. It's amazing that it has taken this long, and I think it's important to know that we don't want to be in a war with Iran. No Americans do. Neither does this president. Iran's been in a war with the United States. We don't want to be in a fight. They smacked us in the in the face back in 1979, and they haven't stopped. The only difference is, is now we have all these Democrats and liberals and leftists talking the uh, the talk of appeasement, more appeasement. The last administration literally tried to buy their way into Iran not having a nuclear weapon during their watch. Well, Iran decided that works for us. We'll take the pallets of cash, the hundreds of billions of dollars to promote our ideology around the globe, including the destruction of America, the destruction of Israel, and we'll just postpone as we work on our our nuclear arsenal until the agreement stops. That's what they did. It wasn't stopping Iran. It was just extending the time. The president has said this will not stand we're tired of your terrorism. We're tired of you killing Americans. We're not letting you have a nuclear weapon. And you've crossed the line, and this is what you get for doing it.
0: So how do you respond to the person that says we shouldn't
2: be assassinating people? We're not, it's not an assassination. These are the same people. First of all, uh, the guy's wearing a military uniform in a combat zone designated by Congress— all right, in, the, in the combat zone, so and he is a combatant. That's number one. But number two, just, just as a juxtaposition and the hypocrisy is breathtaking to me, none of these people, not one of them complained, nor should they have, when President Obama took our forces into Pakistan, another sovereign nation, and killed Osama bin Laden. They didn't have a thing to say about that. This is completely authorized. This guy's a combatant. By the way, not allowed to leave Iran. He's a terrorist on the terrorist list. He's not allowed to leave Iran yet. He was in Baghdad, Iraq, but that is lost on these people. They're more concerned about this terrorist who kills Americans than they are about the Americans that he's killed.
0: It really is stunning, and it comes back to just the abject hatred they have for the president. It's all about that. It, it really ultimately comes down to that. Warren, let's, let's uh, jump over to you here on that particular topic there's you you are uh not only a military genius but your policy uh you are the chairman of the policy for the freedom caucus and there's a lot of talk now about the war powers act uh was the president within his constitutional right to do what he did uh and explain a little bit about the war powers act and the struggle that is currently in play over what needs to be done with the war powers
3: yeah so uh just to pick up where you left off there with, with uh, general perry you know is it authorized what he did uh, what's the constitutional authorization for it uh, you know and as we go into this debate you know we're probably all equally fired up when we hear our democratic colleagues say well you got to put your country first you got to put the country first really you know uh, how about you put america first how about you put right. america country over party how about you put america over iran And when you look at the priority, how did we have the authority to do this? One, Article I of the Constitution makes clear that Congress actually declares our nation's war. If you want to go more in-depth, Federalist 69 lays out why that's the case. The founders very intentionally, uh, and the reality is, look, uh, we've been at a state where Congress has failed to do that for a long time, yet there's been a lot of combat. And this is why you see a big civil-military disconnect where you see the military is at war, but the country isn't. And we need to get that right. It's long overdue to have the debate about why we're in the Middle East, why are we in Afghanistan for 18 years, why are we still in Iraq? But the reality is we need to get to the point when we go to war, we send our nation to war, not just our military to war. So what's going to go on this week That's a, is, good, that's a good way of saying it.
0: Yeah. it. I think people can resonate with that.
3: Yeah, and, and you probably all know people in the military there, but that's very disconnected because the country right. doesn't feel that way today. Right. And part of the reason we feel so secure here is because our military has been at a state of war. Uh, this country's been made and kept free and for a long time now with an all-volunteer force uh, who are truly willing to put their lives on the line, which is why it's so offensive to anyone who's worn our nation's uniform, uh, to hear somebody say, oh, you got to put your country first, yep. you know. And and so how could the president do this? One, uh, the Article II authority for the president, he always has not just a constitutional uh, obligation, but a moral responsibility to protect Americans and our American military. So you can't put our country's lives at risk. So we are within our right as a country to act preemptively to protect life, and uh, particularly And there was Americans.
0: intelligence uh, that was...
3: That's the intel true. said that just as uh, Mark was laying out, progressively escalating right. attacks by Quds Force. And more
0: attacks were coming.
3: And proxies that were instigated by Quds Force. How was Soleimani in, uh, in Baghdad? Well, he was coming from Damascus, Syria, where he had worked with other Iranian proxies. So, when you look at why is the Middle East so destabilizing, we've talked to all of our friends who've been back and forth deploying to Iraq. Scott, Mark, been in contact with people while they were on the ground there. Why is it not stable? Well, Quds Force is destabilizing it via the Shia militias. Oh, well, we can't attack Quds Force. Okay, so what's the mission again? Create a stable Iraq. So you know Quds Force is destabilizing Iraq, right? Yeah, so you can't attack them. So what's the mission again? Create a stable Iraq. They've been doing this forever, so now finally, Donald Trump's president, he's like, this is insanity. We're gonna deal with the root issue. The root issue, Soleimani has been in charge of Quds Force since the 90s, and they continue to escalate this. Let's send the clear message, knock it off. And you do that actually taking out the top is actually, in this case, Soleimani, uh, is actually de-escalating. You could have a big ground war against Quds Force or Iran or whatever. We took out and sent a clear message in a combat zone in Iraq. So not only do you have Article II, you also have the 2002 authorization uh, for combat in Iraq. Now, the idea that this is a 2002 authorization begs the question, Really, we're gonna hang this on a 2002 authorization? Yeah, well, people of both parties have blocked having a real debate on this topic right. since 05. So if you go back to 05, uh, rightly or wrongly, and I think wrongly, the George W. Bush administration decided to take an initial authorization that was to um, you know, go find the weapons of mass destruction and seize them, and turn that into a completely morphed mission to create a stable Democratic Republic of Iraq. I never thought that was a good mission, these guys went and fought to try to achieve it, and they might have thought it was a great mission or they might have thought it wasn't. But either way, that's been the official policy for the United States ever since then, under the Bush administration, under the Obama administration, and Donald Trump said no more. We're gonna stop doing it. Nevertheless, people of both parties have prevented this body from having a serious debate about it. And what's offensive is today, Nancy Pelosi is gonna monopolize the, that sentiment with uh, with uh, representative slotkin who's done a lot of work to try to turn this into a real policy debate Uh, unfortunately speaker pelosi cut that all off no real policy debate just a non-binding resolution totally politicized to turn it into an anti-trump measure and i guarantee you we're going to have to keep fighting to have a real debate about what the real posture of the body is so it's all politics all the time instead of policy and what this body is actually supposed to do
0: and uh, extremely well said. And Mark, let me come back to you and just springboarding from this, as we go forward from this, what needs to be the policy of the United States regarding the Middle East from this point forward? I mean, where are we looking? Where do we need to go?
1: Sure, I think containment of Iran is still very important, and the president's response to this missile attack, greater sanctions, is all a part of that. I also want to make sure you know, there's this big tendency to say, well, we have to, we have to get our forces out of, that, uh, out of that part of the world, right? There's no reason. We've been there for all these years. Uh, those sentiments I understand completely. You know, I have a son in the military. I totally, I totally understand that. But the, the thing now is after these attacks, after this escalation, we can't run away. Now is not the time to leave. Because it communicates something to uh, individuals who have been raised in a culture of strength. And so they they see you know when President Reagan and everybody loves President Reagan, but when we pulled out after Beirut, that was bad. When the Marines were pulled out of Lebanon after Beirut, that was bad. When Bill Clinton, the black eye of Black Hawk Down, you know was flying a deed around in, in the aircraft that he was just shooting at, and then we pull all of our forces out, that was bad. And it communicated even Bin Laden cited those instances in his big treaty uh, treatise. Uh, prior to uh, the 9-11 attacks on the World Trade Center. So what we can't do is demonstrate weakness. So I think, at least for the, for the time being, we're there. And the containment uh, strategy that President Trump is... is uh, they're still an enemy. Iran is an enemy. And in their constitution, in the Iranian constitution, it says, the purpose of the Iranian uh, nation is to continue the revolution of this specific sect of Islam to basically have global domination, that's in the Iranian constitution. So they they have that as their purpose for existing as a nation. Uh, we are always going to have to contain Iran. The other possible course of action, you know, is if uh, if there is Iranian or there are Iranian people who rise up, you know, then that may present an opportunity that we'll have to think about.
0: Very good, and General Perry, I'll give you the the last word as we come in uh, uh, to to landing the plane here. Uh, Soleimani's gone; uh, they crossed a red line. The president made a strong position: you cross the line, we're coming after you. They crossed the line; we came after them. Uh, and now things seem to be de escalating. What happens in Iran from here? I mean, or are, or are they, do they find a replacement for Soleimani who is just as powerful as he was? What do you think is we were going to have to deal with in the future?
2: Well, I think it would take some time to find somebody. Soleimani's been around a long time, and it takes time to build that credibility. They're, they already have designated to follow on his replacement, but he won't have the credibility that Soleimani has. I think uh, kind of going to Mark's point here, we have to decide uh, what our policy is toward Iran, towards the Middle East in, in the macro sense, and understanding that Iran has to be contained as a terrorist nation, with the potential to have a nuclear weapon. That's the problem, the terrorist nation with a nuclear weapon. None of us want to be in the Middle East, and there's no reason for us to be there economically. The reason is security and national security if they have a nuclear weapon, and quite honestly, with the things that they conduct in conventional sense right now, terrorist activities, and that's the reason we're there. We choose not to be there. The question is, can we use diplomacy uh, to get them to a, to join the community of nations and not a, be a terrorist nation, and then on the other side, like Warren was talking about, this uh, uh, the use of the authorized use of military force. How does that how does that work in this paradigm? Because Congress wants to be involved, but we don't just send our military to war; we send our country to war. And and how does that happen in this circumstance? And while we're all in agreement that that needs to be revisited, this is insincere what the Democrats are, and what the leftists are doing. They're not in, they were not interested in doing it. I have an AUMF that I offered during the last administration. No one would talk to me about it. And it also dealt with Iran. But the point is is that this is because they do not like this president. When, Obama, when President Obama conducted five over 500 drone strikes— outside of some outside the area of combat some against American citizens not one of these people raised word. raised an issue this is purely personal their hatred for and their discord with the President of the United States and unfortunately it emboldens uh, Iran and uh, and all our enemies and uh, that's what we have to find a way to deal with at the same time we're dealing with this terrorist nation of Iran
0: and it was very significant when the president addressed the nation after all this his first comment, was Iran will never have a nuclear weapon as long as I'm president. He and their methodology was
2: appeasement. Right, And it didn't work. All they did was, there's no reason to have a heavy water reactor, right? There's no reason to be enriching uh, plutonium at the levels they are, except to have a weapons program. We're fine with them having their their nuclear power if they want it. We're fine with that, but we can't trust. And people say, well, who are you, America, to tell them what to do? This is a terrorist nation. We know who they are. This is a terrorist nation.
1: Suicide bombs take on a totally different meaning when they're measured in megatons.
0: Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank all three of you again for your service to our country, uh, both in uniform and here in Congress. What you bring to the table is uh, second to none. And I'm honored uh, to serve with you and to have you on the podcast again today. Folks, listen, that's all the time we have, unfortunately. Uh, But I want to thank you, as always, for joining us, for being a part of this podcast. We would always uh, encourage you to review and rate uh, this, uh, this program on iTunes and, um, uh, SoundCloud and so forth. You can always follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash freedom caucus and at Twitter at freedom caucus until next time. Thank you so much for being on board with us today. Have a fantastic remainder of your day. We'll see you next time.